Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 13. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. It's good to study God's Word, is that right? And the Bible tells us that we ought to be Bereans and search the scriptures to see if these things are so. And you're not to come into the sanctuary and listen to me and go away and think that what I said is true. You're to go away and search the scriptures to be sure that what I said is true. You don't listen to any man. And if you don't attend this church regularly, the church you go to, you don't listen to a man. You listen to the word of God. You study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman need, needs not be ashamed, rightly divide the word of truth. We ought to study the word of God. And that's what we do here at Calvary Chapel. We go verse by verse. And I don't know about y'all, but I love verse by verse. I just love it, love it, love it, love it. I'm surprised not more people are clapping. I love verse by verse. It's clear. We learn. We grow. We go home. Amen. And amen. John chapter 13. Got a pen? Write this down. It's Thursday night. It's the night of the Last Supper, the night before Jesus dies, the night Jesus would be arrested. Jesus and his disciples are in the upper room to celebrate the Passover. John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 are five chapters crammed into one night. The events in John 13 through 17 are not recorded in the other Gospels. John chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 give us specific time detail. One scholar said the amount of details given to us in regards to this night, if they were given to every day and every night in the previous three and a half years, it would fill 15 complete Bibles. Interesting. So obviously the Lord has something to say to us through John about this night. Chapter 13 takes us into the intimate thoughts of Jesus before the crucifixion. Did you know that many... Good Bible scholars call this chapter the Holy of Holies of Scripture. The Holy of Holies of Scripture. If you think of Scripture as a temple, then this chapter is the sanctuary. This chapter allows us to enter into the thinking and the emotions of Jesus. John chapter 13, we have Jesus' last words, Jesus' last prayer, and Jesus' last opportunity to show love. Chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16 show us just how much Jesus loves us. Did you know, do you know how much Jesus loves you? He loves you so much. In this chapter, as we make our way through it, you'll see the love of God displayed in humility and in service. How much he loves us. I've titled this sermon, if you're taking notes, Real Love. Chapter 13, saints, we pick up in verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, I need y'all to say a hearty amen. Amen. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew his hour had come, underline that, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his who? 
own. Y'all follow me? We look at the same Bible. Okay. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Stop right there. Give me your attention, if you will. If you were with us last time, you know, chapter ends, chapter 12 ends. Jesus' public ministry. I want you to back up to chapter 12. Look at verse 36. Turn in your Bibles and look at verse 36 in chapter 12. These things spoke Jesus and departed and was hidden from them. And again, this was the end of Jesus' public ministry. He presented himself to Israel. They've seen the miracles. They've heard the words. They saw his love. They totally rejected Jesus and filled, fulfilled to the letter the words of John chapter 1 verse 11. He came unto his own, and his own received him. Anybody know? Not. Chapter 12 is the final invitation to Israel, and then Jesus disappears. Now look at verse 1 in chapter 13, verse 1. Before the feast of the Passover was over. Now remember I told you in Israel, and if you don't know this, write this down. In Israel, there are three mandatory feasts that every Jewish male must attend. The Feast of Pentecost the Feast of Tabernacles, and the Feast of Passover. And the Jews celebrated Passover, remembering the protection of God as he sent the plagues in Egypt and the angel of death passed over. Y'all remember the story? The angel of death passed over every house where the angel saw the blood on the doorpost. Look at me, on the doorpost and the lintel. Already we see the cross and the blood that covers us and saves us and spares us and protects us all the way back in the book of Exodus, as God told the people, if you obey me by putting the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and on the lintel, the angel of death will pass over and your firstborn will live. Well, it was during the Passover dinner and Jesus knew his hour had come. I told you, if you've been with us, you know, this phrase, my hour, is used seven times in John's gospel. Can you keep up with me? John chapter two, verse four. Now my hour has not yet come. John seven, six, eight, verses six to eight. My time has not yet come, but your time is already. In verse eight, chapter eight, verse 20. His hour had not yet come. Chapter 12, John 12, 23. The hour has come that the son of man should be glorified. Chapter 12, verse 27. Now my soul is troubled. Father, save me from this hour. And here in John chapter 13, verse 1, Jesus knew that his hour had come. Now listen, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there are a total of 89 chapters. 85 of those chapters focus on the last three and a half years of the life of Jesus on earth. 29 of those chapters focus on the final week. 13 of those chapters focus on the final 24 hours and 579 verses zero in on the last hour. I told you the hour speaks of a pre-written appointed time that Jesus would go to the cross and pay the price for our sins. When Jesus knew his hour had come, notice the Bible tells us, look at verse one again, having loved his own, he loved them to the end. Until the end means he loved them to perfection. Are you listening? He loved them utterly. He loved them to the uttermost. He loved them with total fullness of love. It's a consummate word. 
He loved them all the way to the cross and all the way through the grave and all the way through eternity, even knowing that he was going to the cross. He loved them fully, totally, completely to the uttermost. I don't know. I was thinking about this yesterday. I don't know that people really understand the love of God. I don't know that people, I don't know that Christians really understand how much God loves them. I don't care if you don't know God. Even if you don't know him, he loves you still, and there ain't nothing you can do about that. Somebody say amen. amen. You can't do nothing about it. God loves you anyway. And I don't think that people understand that. And yet we, we quote, and we know the verse, uh, John 3.16. Y'all come on, quote it with me. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. We know that for God so loved the world, not just the disciples. He loved his own. The disciples, he loves you and he loves me and he loves the world. The Bible has a lot to say about being loved by Christ. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. The life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul is saying my whole life was nothing but one daily experience of being loved by God. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. The love of Christ constrains us. In other words, the love of Jesus was a controlling force in my life. Whenever he turned the wrong way, Paul says, or was about to do the wrong thing, Jesus loved him right back and put him on the way of truth. You know, I think of that one verse is in Psalm 73, verse 2. Pastor Matt, look that up. Psalm 73, verse 2. It was uh, actually Asaph who said, my foot almost slipped. If it hadn't been for the Lord. Am I right about it? I know I'm right. (laughs) And I don't know about y'all, but can I get a witness? My foot almost slipped if it had not been for the Lord. I'm waiting while you clap your hands. My foot almost slipped. I, I, I shouldn't be in the pulpit. I shouldn't be standing here right now. If it had not been for the Lord. I always loved these two words, but God. But God, my foot almost slipped. Paul said the love of Christ constrained me to the point that it became the controlling force in my life. Whenever he turned the wrong way or about to do the wrong thing, the Lord would grab a hold of him and pull him right back on course. Did you know that being loved by Jesus makes you unshakable and indestructible? Did you hear me? Indestructible. Romans 8, 33 through 37 who shall, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. And, he, and who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore, is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword? As it is written, for your sakes we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter, yet can I get every saint in this room to read this last statement with me? Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Listen, when life comes at you and life comes at you fast. And all state didn't come up with that. It's a fact. Life comes at you and life comes at you fast. Paul says, Paul never said 
you know, God must not love me. If he loved me, he wouldn't let this happen to me. Instead, Paul says, through the love of Christ, you can't separate me from this massive love. As a matter of fact, the love Jesus gives will make me more than a conqueror. Can somebody say amen? This, this is the heart of the Christian. When life comes at you fast, you have to know that you are more than a conqueror. When life comes at you fast, two things ought to make you happy. When life comes at you fast, here's what you think about. Number one, Christian, I want to talk to Christians now. Number one, you ain't going to hell. Amen. Clap your hands and say amen. When life comes at you, it can't get worse than that. Okay, you're not going to hell, number one. And number two, you are loved by God. And isn't that what matters? You are loved by God. Well, beginning, look, let's beginning in verse two. And I want to tell you something about verse two. Write this down. We're going to see the table, the towel, and the traitor. Preachers, there it is an outline for you. The table, the towel, and the traitor. Look at verse two. Saints, if you're looking at verse two, I need you to say, I'm looking at it. Oh, some of y'all ain't looking. If you're looking at it, say, I'm looking at it. And supper being ended, the devil having already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God, was going to God. He rose from supper and notice what he did. He rose from supper and he laid aside his garments. Underline that. He took a towel, underline that, and girded himself, underline that. Oh, underline verse 4. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. And then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. And Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Peter, 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 you shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered and said to him, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. And Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. <laughs> and Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. Watch the saints and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. This gospel is written approximately 60 years after the death of Jesus. John is approximately 90 years old, so he's very old. And he's remembering this night. He's remembering this dinner. I think of John 14, 6, where the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit will bring all things to your remembrance, whatever I said. So John is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Are you listening? And he puts the quill to the page and the images of Jesus and his disciples flood through his mind and John wrote them down. Now, in our text, the supper ended. The devil had already put it in the heart of Judas to betray Jesus. Now, you might ask yourself, why tell us the devil put betrayal in the heart of Judas right here. Why tell us that right here? Well, keep in mind that Jesus' heart is full of love for them. But in contrast, we see the total hatred on the part of Judas. Interesting, Judas is a part of the same ministry as the other disciples, walking in the same light as Jesus, at the same time living in darkness, completely feeling the love of Christ and yet hating him at the same time. 
Somebody once said the blackest kind of hatred only causes the love of Jesus to shine brighter. Interesting, the love of Jesus drew the disciples closer to him. And that same love, are you listening? And that same love pushed Judas further and further away. The teachings uplifted the disciples and the same teachings drove a stake in Judas' heart. And isn't that the way it always is? I see it here in the sanctuary all the time. I see it in church all the time. There are two people sitting together and preaching the word. We all experience the same environment. We all sing together. Now my soul sings your love no end. I'm in bad voice today. Your love knows no end. Your love knows no end. (laughs) We all sing the same songs. We lift our hands. We worship the Lord. We all hear the same teaching. We all hear the same word. And then when it's time for the invitation and you give an altar call, you give an invitation, two people sitting together, one says, I want Jesus, and the other hardens their heart. It happens all the time. It happened in the Bible. The two thieves on the cross, you know, one on the right, one on the left. And one of them said, Lord, he looked over to Jesus, probably with last gasping breath. He looks over at Jesus and says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the other one said, Lord, get us down. It happens all the time. It's interesting. It is a, it, it's a phenomenon. I, I can't figure it out. I can't understand it. How we can all experience the same environment, the same teaching, the same worship. Everything is the same. And yet the response is completely different. The disciples, his word drew them closer. Judas, further and further away. And that led to a hard and shackled heart, which led to greed and disappointment and ambition and jealousy and spite and hatred. And ultimately, you know, murder. Look at verse three. Jesus knowing. Look at verse three. Looking at verse three. Jesus knowing the father had given some things into his hands. All things into his hands. And that's a pretty comprehensive statement. It means everything belongs to Jesus. He came from God. He's going back to God. Somebody say amen. He is the highest. He came from the highest and he'll return to the highest. He possesses all. God gave it all into his hands. And I believe the Holy Spirit points this out to magnify the humility of Jesus. He talked about Judas' hatred in contrast to love. And now John talks about humility in light of all things that are given to Jesus. So knowing that God has put all things into his hands in verse four, notice what Jesus did. He got up from the table. Are y'all still with me? He got up from the table. He laid aside his garment. Now, you take a note, you write this down. This is the second time he laid aside his garment. The first time when he left heaven and came to earth, he laid aside his glory. He laid aside his divine rights. He laid aside his garments. He took a towel and he girded himself. Verse 5, he poured out water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and wiped them with a towel. Now, this is the job of the lowest slave. So to go from God, are y'all getting this? To go from God to washing the feet, that's a long step down. For a fisherman to wash the feet of another fisherman is a small humility. But for God, for the God of the universe to kneel down and wash the feet of sinful man, that's an indescribable humility. Now, get to see. Jesus and his disciples are hidden in the upper room. And they were probably previously in Bethany and traveled to the upper room. And in those days, you have to understand, they didn't have sidewalks and, and uh, running paths and bike lanes. They didn't have that. 
In Israel, you walked on dirt, in rain. And if it rained, it was like walking in mud. So naturally, by the time you arrived at your destination, your feet were dirty. As a matter of fact, every Jewish home had a large water pot at the door. And when you walked in the house, a slave would wash your feet. Well, at this time, listen, in the upper room, there were no servants and there were no slaves. And I do find it interesting that there's no servants and no slaves and no disciples said, hey, let's wash each each other's feet. You know, let me wash your feet. I mean, you know, some, somebody, hey, you know, I'll wash Matthew's feet. I ain't going to wash Peter's feet because that's gross. He got some pretty gnarly feet. I, no, I, I can't do that. But I'll wash Matthew's feet. Matthew, you can wash John. And John, you can wash Peter because you're the one Jesus loves anyway. So you do it. I think it would have been a really beautiful picture if they were serving one another. And they said, uh, y'all with me? And they among themselves, said, because there was no slave there. Y'all follow me? There was no slave there. So if they would have said, hey, let me just wash each other's feet. But because there was no slave there and because they did not wash each other's feet, Jesus got up and washed their feet. Now, I've read some commentaries on this and, and people are, you know, they, people always want to be deep. Say amen. You know I'm talking to you. People always want to be deep. Why did Jesus get up and wash each defeat? Oh, well, because it was this, that, and the third. Listen, Jesus got up to wash the disciples' feet because nobody else would do it. Because he humbled himself, because he was humble, as well as other things. But nobody else would do it. So Jesus, in our text, what I wouldn't give to have a DVD of this thing. Jesus calmly, in total silence, gets up, walks over, takes the pitcher, pours water into a basin, took off his outer robe, took off his belt, took off his inner tunic, put on a towel around his waist, leaving him clothed like a slave would be clothed. And he kneels down to wash their feet one by one. The disciples probably shocked, embarrassed that they didn't humble themselves that low to do it. Now get this, at the same time, Luke chapter 22 tells us that they are sitting around a table called the triclinium. Are y'all listening? A triclinium. A triclinium is a three-sided table. You've seen it on the Lord's Supper. Actually, a lot of pictures they paint for the Lord's Supper, it's like one table straight across. That is inaccurate. It's more like a U-shape or a three-sided table. And Jesus is always in the center in these paintings and pictures and whatever. And Jesus is always in the center. He's glowing. I don't get that. I mean, you, you can't, you could never pick Jesus out in a crowd. You never could. He did not walk around. Okay, please tell me y'all know he didn't walk around with a glow. With music around him in stereo. And he's floating around, blue eyes, the lights is on his eyes. Like in Hollyweird, you know, the lights are on his eyes and he's glowing. You couldn't pick Jesus out from anybody else. And that's the reason why Judas, when he entered the Garden of Gethsemane, he had to go over and give him a kiss to tell the Roman soldiers, this is the one. Because he looked just like everybody else. He dressed like everybody else, looked like everybody else. You couldn't pick him out. So in Luke chapter 22, they're sitting around the triclinium, the three-sided table, and their feet are dirty, and they are arguing about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom. 
They're sitting there with dirty feet, and Jesus is the only one, watch this, who will humble himself and get up and wash the disciples' feet. I cannot help but think of Philippians chapter 4, and it tells us, but made himself God, Jesus, of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and of those on the earth and of those under the earth. And can y'all read the rest with me? And that every tongue should confess. I need everybody to read it. It's right there on the screen. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Listen. And Jesus is the ultimate example of one who humbled himself and took the low seat. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.